everybody. Welcome back to Cosmic Soup. Thanks for joining us again today. You know, when we think about the concept of digital marketing and its related fields, the first thing that comes to mind is probably not social media, and vice versa. As it turns out, however, the two are more closely intertwined than many of us have been led to believe. And that's why we've invited our two experts to join us in the soup today to discuss the ways in which these areas are inextricably tied and how they work together to create highly effective and truly epic marketing campaigns. So please welcome to the show, digital marketing manager Trish Mayer and social media director Anna Rose Warren. Thank you both so much for joining me here today. Thanks, Hank. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. So um, Trish, why don't you give us a quick blurb about exactly what it is that you do? Uh, sneak preview here. Trish is bionic. Not only is she an accomplished digital marketer, but she's currently getting her master's degree at the same time. Epic. Epic or crazy. Yeah, know. right. But um, yeah, I'm the digital marketing director. Thank you, Mike. I've been at Third Third for about six years now, and I direct all things digital marketing at the agency. So basically day to day, I work on a strategic level with the account and creative teams, and we help create the digital marketing strategies for our clients. And then we work day to day to implement them with things like paid search, search engine optimization, web development. We work with the designers and then the account teams to execute and optimize those projects throughout the month. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. How about you, AR? Equally epic in your job duties. Tell us what you do. Thanks for adding that in. I'm certainly um, no bionic woman like we have here, but I am the social media director, um, which means my team manages client accounts. I think it's across something like 80 plus channels right now to run strategic, organic and paid campaigns. And while I come from a more organic background, I'm currently only really overseeing organic operations, but I'm in the trenches on the advertising side. So I'm programming and optimizing campaigns there, mostly through Facebook. Um, and like Trish, I'm kind of a buffer for our creative team with clients. Um, I love just getting yelled at from all sides. Like you, Mike, I come from a restaurant background um, where I was a manager. So I'm, I'm very used to getting yelled at by the kitchen in the front of the house. And I feel like that's yeah. a little bit how the agency operates too. Sure. How did each of you get started uh, in the industry? Uh, why don't you tell us your, your origin stories? I actually started out in the industry as a waitress at a senior living community in my little hometown of Sumner, Washington. And I was an absolutely terrible waitress. Um, so that's a stick. <laughs> I remember that the, the shifts were only like four to six forty-five, and somehow that felt like an eternity when you're like 16, but I would just forget to like take people their dinners. There was this one resident who would win candy bars and bingo. And then she'd like invite us to her room to like eat them. Like we'd still be on the clock, just like going to her room for like a Snickers bar. It was terrible, but I had a great time bonded with a lot of seniors. Awesome. How about you, AR? Um, I came to this industry and third, third, a magic three years ago. And I realized pretty quickly that there was this opportunity that the industry was kind of missing the boat on for senior living communities to really connect with their older adult prospects through advertising and to connect with all their disparate audience members that make up their communities across all these demographic differences. So age, cultural, et cetera, like employees, prospects, current families, all those different types of people. And I realized like everyone gets stoked about cute pictures of grandma with a puppy. So who doesn't love that? Who doesn't want to engage with it? Um, I'm not sure you asked this, but I also 
thought about what my favorite part of this of my day to day would be. And for me, that's outside of the numbers to see those real reactions people have, like the joy we bring to those family members and all those audience members, especially of course right now, um, when we can show what's going on, showcase activities at the community level and to see comments like, it's so good to see my mom having a good time with her friends, stuff like that. Oh, awesome. So at a glance, I would say people might be thinking that, that your two fields being digital marketing and social media are completely unrelated, but really they're actually in the same pot and you two play off each other constantly in the workspace. What are some of the ways that digital marketing and social media do tie into each other? I think they're inherently tied together. Um, I know Anna Rose and I talk throughout the day every day about client campaigns, but I think just the nature of marketing online, you have to have things that are coherent across the platform. So for me, that means like we're launching our website and that has a certain messaging and campaign that we might be pushing out. And then we want to make sure if that person then clicks through to Facebook or vice versa, they see a Facebook ad and they come to the website, like you need to be consistent and you need to be asking the same types of call to actions and driving the same kind of responses from the people. Um, so I think even if we wanted to be separate, we couldn't be. Do you want to be separate from me? <laughs> no. <laughs> what, what's um, your take on that, Anna Rose? My, my take on this is Trish does digital marketing and I also do digital marketing. Yeah, okay. That really sums it up that it, that it is all integrated. Um, and I think, I think we see a lot of clients who say like, yes, I want digital marketing. I want retargeting. I want banners, but social media, I don't want that. And to us, that's just, an, it's one more important facet of digital marketing. Okay. So Trish, there's a, a word that I recently came across that I wasn't familiar with. I'm curious. Let's talk about AdWords marketing for a second. What is AdWords marketing? Oh, sure. So AdWords is Google search marketing, which when you go to Google, you do a Google search for whatever, assisted living in Washington state, for example. Um, and those three little ads usually at the top or sometimes they show on the right side or now they show up in the map and they'll be marked as an ad. So that's kind of what Google ads is. And that's what um, we do a lot of for our clients. I think it's really important in the senior living industry to have a good search campaign. I think especially because we know that people move into communities based on something that happens. Like they might be seeing your advertising elsewhere, but then say something happens at home, someone falls, someone goes to the hospital, and then they're at their computer, like assisted living near me, like they want to move in soon. And so it's one of the ways that we make sure our clients are showing up when people are getting to that point where they're ready to make an action. Okay. And then do you notice that there's any common pitfalls for senior living communities, maybe things that they're not hitting for optimization, they're, they're doing something that's keeping their results from being found by searchers? Yeah, I think there's a few things that I noticed. Well, I hear all the time that we used to do pay-per-click advertising, but we just can't compete. We can't beat those big directories. So there's places, um, sites like A Place for Mom, over55.com, seniorapartments.com. And that's their whole business model is to dominate the search marketing industry. And so, so many times when you do a search, you see one of those three at the top. And so little communities sometimes get discouraged by that. Um, and so we try to find ways to beat those big directories. And I think some of the 
optimizations that Google is making has made that possible. So where it used to be that communities would shy away from doing it um, because they couldn't compete. Now Google has recognized that and they've made it a level playing field again. Okay. And so really the solution, it sounds like, is that people that are in charge of maybe doing those campaigns or ads really truly utilize the the AdWords marketing concepts. For sure. Yeah. And we used to see a lot of uh, clients who would come to us saying that, like, we think we pay this big retainer every month and we don't think they're really optimizing or doing anything on our account. They're really setting it and forgetting it. And I think that's still something that happens a lot in this industry as well. So I think to be successful, you need to be making sure that things are getting your ad copy for pay-per-click is getting updated every month. You want to make sure that you're tying in any events you have. You want to make sure it's promoting any specials you have. Like the more fresh, organic, and like real you can make it, um, Google's really been rewarding that lately. So in other words, don't set everything to autopilot and then just assume that everything's going to be hunky-dory for you forever. Exactly. Saying that you just have one-bedroom apartments available now, letting that run for a year, it just doesn't really work anymore. Got it. Well, as you both know, the digital realm is constantly evolving. There's always new software-based capabilities being developed. What are some examples of things that used to work but that don't work now? I have a lot just coming from the web development side. So um, people used to come to us all the time and they would say, everything has to be above the fold. I say that in air quotes. Um, So before things really shifted to mobile so much, there was this idea that when you're online, people are only looking at what they see on the screen when the page loads, they're not scrolling down. And so you've got all of these websites that just got totally cluttered at the top. Um, And we know that this near living industry kind of lags behind other industries by a couple of years. And so we still see a lot of websites in this arena where that's happening. Um, And that doesn't work anymore. People want a clean website. People are used to scrolling down now. I think we need to be less afraid of keeping up with that trend. And then not to mention, Google doesn't want websites like that anymore. So if your website is not mobile friendly, if it's all cluttered at the top like that, you're actually not going to appear as high up as you would as if you had optimized for mobile. Okay. That's my biggest one. Awesome. And you were going to chime in on that too, AR? I mean, this is kind of tangential, but I think the mobile um, data is always surprising me that I'm like, yeah, everybody's on their phone, but how many people really, when we look at, from me, my Facebook ads, like who, what platform are they using? They're yeah, mostly on Facebook, but they're mostly on their phone. It's like, it can go as high as 90% of our users seeing our ads who are in that 55 plus demographic who are on their phones looking at our ads. So you know that they're not just scrolling Facebook on their phone. They're clicking through, they're going to the site. All of that mobile optimization matters so much across demographics. And I think even two to five years ago, we were saying that's really the younger people. That's the 45 minus crowd. Um, Those of us who are on our phones all day for work, but it really, really is people across demographics right now who, you know, are, are ingesting all of this material on their phones. So that really matters outside of even the, the optimizations that Trisha is talking about to get ranked um, on Google. But from my side standpoint for Facebook, um, I think we kind of saw just like, even a couple years ago, a year ago, 
um, we would have clients who would say, you know, we're doing it. We're on Facebook. And, and a while ago that was winning, that was succeeding. Um, and definitely we're starting to see successes is defined as having a robust campaign, having an idea of what you want goals that you're actually defining, um, and taking something that, that in the past has only really been applied to like an enterprise level and applying it to this community level. Like, Hey, my budget is $200 a month and I only have this many hours to devote to this. What can I do with it? But take that and make it a microcosm of, of what a big campaign would look like. So you're not just having your receptionist do the posting. You're not just clicking boost on a post and putting a budget and letting it run, but you're actually fully developing it like we would in a, in an industry with a larger budget. Okay. So as far as social media goes, then what specific areas should senior living communities be looking in to make some true strides in social media? I would say recognizing its importance and the importance of having that fleshed out digital strategy and, and long-term goals. The other thing I want to point out is really valuing your existing base. Um, we certainly work with a lot of folks who are so focused on, you know, those ROIs, on bringing in leads. How many leads did I create this month? And that is so important. But I think one of the great things about social media is you can really use it to connect to your existing audience, um, who's not just your families and your current residents, but it's also your workforce. So it's all these disparate groups that that sometimes feel like they can't connect, that you have someone who's a 25-year-old black woman who's always worked in a restaurant or a senior living community in the kitchen, and she doesn't see anything in common with this like 85-year-old white dude who's kind of rude and kind of creepy. Um, but instead of focusing on those differences, which we tend to do, I think, across the internet in terms of identity and what we focus on, we can tell a story about how these two people who come from these completely different worlds connected. And all of these different audience members can can react to that in a positive way and say, look at this, missing so-and-so, you know, like making this guy's lunch, they had this great moment, or like she always knows he wants this food. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's about sharing those very small touching stories that can that can reach people in all these different places and all these different life experiences um, that can go a long way towards actually attracting new prospects and audience members, because that means, you know, this girl's mom sees that story and she's like, Oh my God, my daughter was featured. She wants to share that. And that reaches somebody else who necessarily, you know, wouldn't have seen that post. That makes sense. <laughs> that was a rambling one. Yeah. When, and when I think of social media, you know, for me, I, I just kind of go back to the big three. You know, I think Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I would assume primarily that those are the platforms that, that we're seeing being utilized. Are, are we seeing others pop up? Oh, well, there's LinkedIn as well. Um, so what what is kind of the standard right now for social media usage in the industry? For sure, Facebook. I mean, just across the board. I actually, before this called up, um, how many older adults are on Instagram because I know myself and um, our social media manager, Ani, we both are so hyped on Instagram because we think it's a great tool for workforce development to get those younger folks. But it is true that most older adults are not on that platform. They are on YouTube. They are sometimes on Pinterest, which is an agency we don't focus um, a lot on those platforms. But older adults are utilizing them. But mostly it's Facebook, it's Facebook groups and pages. It's connecting with their friends. It's sharing news articles um, that still is the number one, even as I think kind of other demographics, anyone younger than that kind of migrates, has migrated away from Facebook in the past few years. Sure. 
I've heard the term community management uh, related to social. How is that different than Facebook advertising and what exactly is included in community management? I feel like um, that's a funny one to me because I think that's one of those examples of I think there are so many buzzwords flying around and CM is kind of one of them. Um, community management is confusing in this industry because we work with communities, but CM can kind of be just defined as reputation or engagement management. Um, and then there's proactive and reactive. So proactive is really building a strategy and reaching out to local and industry partners, influencers, et cetera. And reactive community management would be engaging with your existing audience, reposting your user-generated content, um, that sort of thing. But from my end, I really focus on advertising, which is advertising just like it would be in the rest of the digital world. Um, so we should at some point bring on our organic manager for a future conversation about CM. Yeah, that's a great idea. We should definitely do that. And I wanted to ask you about one more word, and it's one that Cynthia mentioned to me earlier, and that word is clickbait. Can you define what that means, at least as it relates to our industry? Clickbait as a term, I think, has been around for a few years now. It had a really negative rep at first, um, but I think people have warmed up to it. You know, they describe those kind of those articles where they have the catchy headline and then maybe the substance of the article is pretty subpar or really brief. But now I think they still have a catchy headline, but I think we've gotten better at writing actually good content that's just briefer than it used to be. Um I've also heard them called listicles. No. <laughs> it's an article, but it's just a list. Looking at you, BuzzFeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it that makes people want to click on images or links or words? Is there a psychology behind all that? Um, I think to me, at least what I see in, in my realm is identity. Um, I think the internet is really divisive in a lot of ways of, you know, we really create these divides and we spend so much time arguing about, you know, I see it this way. I see it this way. I have had this life experience. So I see it this way. Um, and I think like we heard from Cynthia's mother-in-law yesterday, who's 80 and said she only clicks on ads that interest her. Like, of course, if you see an ad and it's not targeted precisely, what is that advertiser even doing? Um, I think the internet is really built around identity and identity politics but of course people join groups or pages or make friends or engage with content because they like what they see and that they have in common they have something in common with that content um and they they respond to any sort of ad content in the same way they click on things because it reminds them of who they are and they identify with it big relatability factor yeah i love that perspective because i feel like sometimes it gets a bad rap of digital marketing of like how closely we can target people and people feel like creeped out or they feel like it's invasive. But I think the flip side of that is you're seeing ads that are actually relevant to you now that you're more inclined to click on. And I think they're less irritating if it's actually something that's interesting to you. Totally. And it's totally, I think, shaped the, the landscape of, of what people have come to expect. And that was certainly interesting to hear from this woman who was 80 yesterday that like she kind of expects to see ads that are really tailored to her. I think, God, like 10, 20 years ago, of course we wouldn't see that. That wouldn't even be part of the conversation. But because of digital marketing, we're all like, what? This ad for like men's shaving cream? Like, I'm not a man. Like, I don't care. Um, it surprises us whenever <laughs> we see anything that's like out of, out of our ballpark because we're so used to being hyper-targeted too. Yeah. 
That is, it's, it's an element that you don't really think about it, you know, so much when you're on the outside, but I can say that now that I've kind of seen a little bit of the inner workings of this, the aha button keeps kind of getting pushed for me. And I'm like, Oh, it kind of all makes sense now. It's, it's pretty crazy when you realize how much work actually goes into the amount of research and kind of putting those, those ads together and finding the right, you know, tools to make sure that people can relate to what you're putting out there. It's, it's a whole other universe. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So I'm curious then what does it look like when an agency runs your digital or your social media program as, as opposed to everybody kind of trying to do it internally? This is one of my favorite questions. I think um, right now we really see this divide between we do it ourselves and our digital agency does it, um, which is something, you know, we either hear one one or the other from a lot of our clients. So with that first option where they're doing it themselves, we do see really quality, authentic on the ground content, but we also get some of these like pretty ugly off-brand quote post type things like a font that doesn't go with your aesthetic and it might turn off some savvy consumers it just looks, I don't know how to say that, but lowbrow. Um, but then, of course, the agency question on the other end of the spectrum is a client that we see paying a big box agency, these exorbitant rates for community management and organic, and they're getting kind of the same three AARP articles about how to recover after a fall reposted over and over. And we see this, um, I think, kind of across the U.S. in who we work with. Um, so it's not, or, you know, it's not really what's going on in the ground. It's not curated beautifully. It's just articles. And I think that's what we see a lot when agencies are running it. And then what we try and offer our clients, if you're working with us as an agency, um, I think where we're hoping to make some strides is to really champion those enterprise level campaigns where we're sitting back and saying, who are we as a brand? How do we want to connect with our consumers? Um, and then hopefully showcasing that authenticity, that kind of the, um, you know, the receptionist or the niece who is initially running the the social channels that they have in their heart that they want to show, but that they just don't have the brand check. They don't have the experience behind it. So we want to bring the agency level execution to the authenticity so that we really can connect all of those different audiences. Got it. So if I'm, you know, uh, running a, a community or a number of communities as, as an ED or maybe even farther up the food chain, what advantage do I have to go to say an outside company and say, Hey, put together this social media campaign for me. I I need to spruce things up a little bit. I think aside from the overall brand and the aesthetic and the understanding that, you know, this really is important. We don't want to have typos. We don't want to have these funky fonts or these, you know, poor quality images, videos. Um, There's also advertising and that's something that, that we really champion here. And I think for a long time we struggled to to pitch it because we don't have this 50 years history of success like we do with direct mail or 70 year or what have you. Um, but I think, you know, right now, the reason that, that I think it really matters to run social through an agency is to get that overall organic strategy that you're not just posting hilly nilly. You're doing it for a reason. You're doing it with goals behind it and experience behind it. Someone that's, that's worked in this industry for a while. Um, and then with advertising, we're really seeing these incredible results that we haven't seen in, in other um, platforms because I think social is, a, is an unprecedented platform. We have this ability to reach people in their downtime. They're just hanging out. It's kind of like reading a magazine, but instead of just scrolling through, you know, every single thing, a consumer of this very broad 
um, interest piece could want, we're, we're able to hyper-target. So we're seeing these qualified costs uh, per conversions. This is March data that I just ran for a client of um, $5 as someone, you know, clicking through and really engaging. And that's someone that we've hyper-targeted and we can get cost per leads as low as $25. We just don't see that in other platforms. Um, but I think, I think social is really something like we haven't discovered before. Sorry, this is my tooting my own horn. I just think that, <laughs> that we're doing things that we haven't seen anywhere else and there's so much opportunity for it. And it's something that, um, I don't know, has been a hard sell because it's so new, but I think our program is pretty yeah. cool. I totally support the inner rows. I feel like it's been hard to sell the value of social media because it feels like it's an add-on, but I think what we've discovered and Anna Rose has discovered in this program is that it's really tapping into something that works for senior living. I think like a lot of the times when you're closing a sale for senior living, like that's personal selling, right? Like you're sitting with that person and like convincing them that this is a community fit for them. And I think social media kind of cuts through that in a personal way as well. Like I can send an email or a digital banner all day and like you're kind of like seeing it or whatever. And then you decide it's your personal time at night. You're not checking email anymore, but you're still on Facebook. You're still kind of tootling around. And I think just the way that that message gets delivered on social is something that's really under leveraged in senior living still. So it's been exciting to see the progress even in the last year that's been happening for clients. Yeah, for sure. I think it's so important and it's so fundamental because it really transcends that brand or that corporate message of, you know, what is in your website, what's in your direct mail piece. And it also transcends the reality of what's going on at your community. And sometimes I think we think of those as in opposition, like your community when you walk in the door is who you are and your web or your advertising is who you want to be, but somehow social is both and you're reaching people on this really human level to say, you know, here I am in your feed and this is a real person reaching you. This is an authentic image of a construction site or a real resident playing a game or singing a song, but it's also got that brand slant, that advertising uh, message behind it to say, hey, come on in. We want to talk to you. But it really does reach people on that, that human level that it's hard to do that with traditional advertising. Well, I think we've just illustrated uh, a, a huge reason as to why social media is becoming increasingly more and more important in, in this realm. And I'm sure that there's still plenty of people out there who have been hesitant to adapt it, or maybe they're just so unfamiliar with it that, you know, they just don't know a way to integrate it. But what are some of the misconceptions about social media that you hear? And then what are the ways to counter those misconceptions? Um, to me, the biggest one still, which kind of blows me away still, um, is that seniors aren't using it or like, oh God, but my residents aren't using it. And I think especially when we're looking at that target audience of kind of, you know, the 50 plus adult child, especially, you know, the 65 plus um, prospect that of course they're using it. They're using it in these huge amounts that, that no other demographic is on Facebook in that way. Um, and I think in some other age groups, there's some fear or some hesitation Either that's coming from, you know, like, oh, Zuckerberg is evil or like I don't engage with advertising that I think we don't see in this age group. Um, so that's one of the biggest ones to me. And then, of course, just circling back to, um, you know, like we're, we're already doing it. We have somebody running it. And then that goes back to the either it's your receptionist or it's this big box agency. And I think that middle ground is really important to find something where you're representing both the authentic 
and you have a little bit of marketing to it. Awesome. Trish, you want to have any final thoughts on that one? I think Anna Rose covered it pretty well, but I feel like, yeah, just to piggyback on that, it's building legitimacy. So we used to see clients, like you say, who are like, oh yeah, well, we kind of have a page up. It's whatever. We don't pay attention to it. And that was fine maybe even a year ago, but now it's like that adult daughter is getting on seeing like, what's this community up to? Would I let my mom move in here? And maybe it's not driving leads every day from the organic posts, but it's like, if your community is not posting anything, then that doesn't build trust with your audience. And so okay. I think that's another piece of why it's so important. Awesome. That's a huge piece. Thank you for mentioning that. I think that the consumer trust is huge and it's something where, you know, we do have clients who say like, Oh, you've said all this, let's just run some ads. But the, that organic presence is just so fundamental. It's like having a website. You wouldn't not have a website in 2020. I don't think you can get away with not having a Facebook because it's something that, you know, your consumer sees it's the second thing that's going to index in Google and they're going to click on it and they're going to see your residents having fun or your families are going to see your residents having a good time and that, hey, there's this event coming up. Maybe I can drag my mom to it. All of that is just, it's very, I don't know, basic. It's fundamental right now. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. I think it's important to be able to get back to basics and remember those fundamentals as they really are the backbone for everything we do, especially in times like these when there are so many changes happening so fast, everyone's being pulled in a million different directions, and we're having to switch gears at a moment's notice. And speaking of switching gears, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how women are blazing trails in an industry historically dominated by good old boys, how COVID-19 is affecting the current digital and social landscapes, and what that could mean for the future of certain aspects of marketing in the industry. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with part two of this epic conversation with Anna Rose Warren and Trish Mayer. Stick around. Stick around. 